Hello, this is The Parent Panel, a weekly podcast where one mum and one dad are invited onto the show to give us their opinions and share their experiences as parents. Our mum today is a TV presenter who is passionate about eating, and our dad is one of the most famous humans to ever wear a yellow skivvy. Well, sometimes you catch yourself just being bossed around. You're going, wait, wait a second. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm, I'm an adult. <laughs> Neve one day took her nappy off and just rubbed it on the wall. Oh, wow. I kind of feel like parenting is a good antidote to my anal retentiveness. I think you're still in the trenches with your kids. I like the expression trenches. I sometimes call it the vortex. <laughs> the Parent Panel with Siobhan Hunt. Zoe Bingley-Pullen is our mum. She's a TV presenter and nutritionist with a little girl who is five. I just had to start by asking you, I really want to know, what is your favourite food? Ooh, do you know what? It is quite hard to narrow it down. But if I had to kind of, I mean, you always kind of playfully say, if I was on an island, what would my dying (laughs) meal be? And it's quite simple. It is a good glass of red wine. A steak, a salad, and a jack of potato, crispy on the outside, lots of salt, olive oil, or avocado. Why did I ask that right before lunch? I know, I'm hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Did I paint that picture nicely? Too too nicely, Zoe. Um, Our dad is Greg Page, the original Yellow Wiggle who has six kids. The eldest is 29 and the youngest is eight. Hi, Greg. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you? Good, thank you. Now, with such an age range amongst your children, you must have seen so much change in the way we parent, you know, the advice and stuff we get. Yeah, and the way kids interact with the world. It's quite amazing how things have changed, yeah. So it's been a very interesting journey. Yeah, um, so your eldest kid would not have had an iPad. No, no. It was uh, like Holy a Nintendo <laughs> something or other. Nintendo, I can't even remember what the name of the system was. It was so basic. <laughs> but it was more advanced than what I had when I was a kid. Of so, course. Yeah, but it really has changed. And the way they interpret the world through these devices now is really interesting to see. So, yeah, yeah things are changing. How interesting. Okay, well, our topics today are couples music, when your kids grow up, and Father's Day. But first up, we're talking about kids going on strike. You don't want to miss school, honey. Are we here to save the world? Trees are people too! Save this tree! Heaven is not going to school today. This week, some religious schools have announced that they will not support students striking on September 20. It'll be the third time that students have gone on strike to protest government inaction on climate change. While the New South Wales Uniting Church has come out in support of students, the Sydney Catholic and Anglican schools have declined, with a Catholic school spokesperson saying the best way for young people to really make a difference is to receive a quality education. Zoe, do children have the right to strike or should they be protesting outside of school hours? I think it's imperative that they strike. I think what we actually are trying to do is open the dialogue about what is right, but I think also nourish their opinion. It's really important for them to have a voice and say, I do not like the future that we are creating in front of us and I'm going to actively do something about it. Sure, I understand the controversy it causes in regards to having a day off school. I'm pretty sure that day off school, actually they're going to learn more in the sense of, Union, yeah, banding together, you know, working as a team, having a common voice. Yeah, I think that is in itself tools that we need to take through life because there's elements that are going to dictate the future that they're in. And I think it's so important that they, you know, they do rally together. So I'm, I think it's fantastic. 
Right, what, do you, what do you think, Greg? More the point, it's having the desired effect. Aren't we all talking about it? Yeah. We are indeed. I'm a fence sitter on this. I really am. Um, I agree that everybody should have a voice on it. So the Catholic Church, the Uniting Church, the Anglican Church, the government, teachers, students. Um, should they be striking, though? I don't know. It, it's a really tough one because at what point do we determine what's okay for them to strike about and what's not? Where do you draw the line? Like, they're passionate about this and it will affect them, but there's many issues that will affect kids, you know, students, in years to come. So where do we say, well, this one, this this issue's okay for you to strike about? And effectively, is it them having the voice or is it the adult still having the voice saying, yeah, it's okay to strike about this, but not that? So I don't know. It's a really interesting issue. Yeah, in terms of how it might roll out in the future. I can see that. That's interesting. But on this particular issue, I think it's an important issue. Environment mm. is very important. Um, and it is important that children or students, older children, do have a voice. We want to encourage that, particularly on issues that, that will affect them and where they don't have a say. It's, it's all very well to say, well, look, we have a voice. We vote the government in or out, but they can't do that yet. Look, I, mm. I do get that point of view. And I do think, yeah, where is the line that we draw? Because again, petty things of them, then they start using this as a day off school can be. <laughs> Potentially. We don't Potentially. know. Yeah. But I guess the only comparison I can actually draw to is when I was in year 12, I was very passionate about the environment and through the school I was going to, I, I tried to campaign for Muro Atoll. So that was the area obviously that was taking the uranium and dumping it within Australia. I think what I disillusioned me so much was that I felt like I was alone in that argument. I felt within my school, I was the only person actually kind of really there. And I think, and I, as a result, I, I didn't take that passion further. I definitely noticed, I mean, I got a, um, a happy moment at school when we had parent teacher and the teacher, she said, oh, Emily's really passionate about the environment. Now we don't talk massively. We just talk very collectively about what is, you know, what we do in a functional family in a household to kind of service and support our environment. But I wish I'd taken that further mm. when I was younger. And I think mm. I could have had a strong voice on that. Um, and I believe I didn't take that further because I didn't have a greater commonality. I didn't have more people there supporting That feeling me. of yeah. banding together. Well, I felt like yeah. I was alone and I was being a total dickhead, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I got some really funny looks when I was asking people. to. Say, firstly, they didn't know what it was. Yeah. Um, and I was trying passionately. And, and I think as an individual, often passion then can kind of evolve into anger and I was getting angry as opposed to being just passionate and I think mm. if I had had more people I would have probably tapered that anger a little bit more. Mm. I think the interesting thing about the word strike though and the fact that it's on a school day mm. is that we typically see strikes as when you strike when you're working and that holds people up. The yeah, services can't, it's a yeah. disruption yeah. right and um, one of the elements about striking is always going to be fear. Yeah. So there's there's consequences for you if you strike. So yeah. you may not go on strike if you feel like your boss is going to get upset yeah. with you. Mm -hmm. Or And I, I think it's kind of a shame that it's not part of our culture anymore because yeah. we, we don't – democracy doesn't seem to be working no, as well as it could be. Yeah. We're but not then, very democratic in Australia. We're not. <laughs> but we also don't take those risks no, anymore exactly. in terms of going on strike. I don't, I don't know – you know, you might get your pay docked for a day and kids, the consequences of striking on a school day aren't necessarily bad for them, you know, it's just they get a day of school. And I'm not sure. For some of them there might be, you know, yeah. for some of the kids actually who really are quite studious, who go along with this. I mean, that's, it's, it probably feels like a higher 
ramification will actually happen. I'm like, I think, Siobhan, you're, you hit the nail on the head. Isn't it really important that kids do understand what a democracy actually is and do understand that we have the freedom of speech? Um, maybe they could actually use the word strike and remove that. Mm. What about and the actually take it to a kids? day that people are collectively and have it yeah. as an environmental day that Something students like that. actually collectively mm. band together because we all know that it has more power that way as well, but also it becomes a slightly more positive message with the, with the powers that might be or that are supporting this That's right. Process I think that, that's well. the thing too. If we yeah. can get those powers. Yeah, it's going to be so support, much more impactful. That, much more meaningful. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, I'm not sure we solved that problem. <laughs> no, well, we can't solve all the world's problems in 10 minutes. Yet. Yes. Yeah. I'm, we that's can try. what you're here for, Greg. <laughs> well, Come sorry. On. Yeah. That, you, you got a fence sitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Up next, what your love song says about you. Sweetheart, it's our wedding song. It's our song. That Taylor Swift song. How about that Titanic song? Oh, God, it's the song again. So romantic. Macquarie University researchers recently used a survey to discover the impact of couples' songs on a relationship. Dr Celia Harris, a lecturer in Macquarie's Department of Cognitive Science, surveyed 200 people in romantic relationships to discover if they had a song they shared as their song. Over two-thirds of those surveyed had a couple song, and when asked why it was their song, reasons ranged from the meaning in the lyrics reflecting their relationship or an event like a first kiss Sometimes they just liked the song. Greg, do you and your partner have a song? No, we don't. You actually. don't? No. I was thinking for sure you no, Yellow it, Wiggle will have a song. No, it's really interesting because Vanessa and I have quite different tastes in music. Uh-huh. So, yeah, now this is, this is <laughs> yeah, going to be a real I revelation here. <laughs> I like Perry Como. Oh, that's all right. Uh-huh. For a romantic yeah. song. Yeah. Oh, man, I love yeah, yeah, you've got a real silky smooth yeah. voice and really nice sort of songs. Vanessa was sort of more into, um, oh gosh, I don't even know the name of some of these singers, but much more contemporary singers when we first yes. met. So we had quite different tastes. So I wouldn't say we have a, a song that we had that was special when we met. We had a song that we played at our wedding when she walked down the aisle, which was Nora Jones, and that was a oh, beautiful yeah. song. I love, yeah. I love anything Nora Jones is yeah, amazing. Yeah, such a beautiful yeah. voice, and this song, Come Away With Me, the oh. lyrics with that. Is that oh, your so song now, though? Look, I, I, I guess if I had to say, it, yes. w- it would be. So when, when we hear that, when we don't hear it very often because it's not a very popular song, yeah. but when we hear it, it certainly yeah. you know, triggers something uh, very it's special. funny you say that about Perry Como because my <laughs> husband actually tried to propose to me to Serge Gainsbourg, Gainsbourg or whatever, wow. however you say his name. And I think it is the corniest music I've ever heard. <laughs> I cannot stand it. He loves it. Oh, that's hilarious. So I went and changed the album to one that I loved at the time, which was Kings of Convenience, which he had no connection to whatsoever. <laughs> but I had to stop him. I'm like, I'm not, I'm Can't sorry. Isn't that brilliant? You Can't cannot... Touch. Cannot yeah. propose this to me to search. Won't allow no. it to happen. my brain. No. How about you, Zoe? So, no, we actually don't have a song either. <laughs> so I thought this was quite funny. And again, Michael and I have very different take. Like he, he kind of grew up with Rolf Harris and these kind of, which I really don't like. Um, yeah. We we've had songs that we've bounced together with, you know, and we kind of enjoy. And um, there was a song, Sunrise, that was like it was a very kind of it was a very sort of spoken poetry type song mm. and it talked about like you know um most of the people that i you know like have only worked out that they like them or most of the people who i know are influential have only liked themselves as they've got older and so it was quite 
nice, deep words that resonated mm. both with Michael and I. Um, but that's definitely not our song. Like, yeah. I wouldn't say, I don't, and I definitely don't want it because it's too bloody deep, really. <laughs> like, it doesn't, it kind of makes you kind of go internal as opposed to going yeah. lovey mm. and gooey. Yeah. But um, we got married to Avalon Roxy Music, which I have oh. to admit is my favourite song. Wow. So Maybe that's what it says, is that your husband was loving enough that yeah. he allowed you. And look, yeah. I mean, we sing a lot in our house. Mm. We're big singers. So um, we, we just love music. Uh, we both think we've got great voices, which often, <laughs> often means that there's a lot of competition going in the car and Michael saying, Zoe, stop singing because you don't know the words, of which I don't because I don't know the words to any songs. You don't need to know the words. That's basically, that, that's every song to that's me. That's scatting, isn't it? Yeah. There go. There's an art to that. I've got a new, tr- new talent. <laughs> so, and look, I mean, what about family songs? Are there songs that you play that, you know, kind of driven by the kids? That... So, again, Michael always puts bloody Rolf Harris on in the car. For wow. <laughs> Still. Just these really corny songs from his mother, though, it, it, which I have no problem because I understand the love connection, the connection. there. Mm, yep. Um, and they're funny, but um, there's one song that goes, I woke up in the morning and my mama was gone. Ooh, we chuck a chuck a chip. Right. So, oh, yeah. Right. So, I... I was listening to that song and I was like, um, Michael, that's actually quite a dark song because basically it says, my mother's gone, my daddy's gone. And I, like, and I was like, and he's like, what I found quite amusing is that his mother had played this song and I don't think he'd ever listened to the words. Like, I think he just sung them because yeah. he loved his mum. And I said to Michael the other day, I'm like, I'm not sure that we should be playing this family anymore because it talks about parents leaving. Um, so, well, I don't know. You don't yeah. have problems because you have problems when you have a partner who is so firmly rooted in the 70s, as my okay. husband is, that he deliberately on every school drop-off would play Frank Zappa because he wow. knows that I can't stand Frank Zappa. He's in the same basket as Serge for me. I'm Isn't like, that great? Okay. <laughs> So he loves Frank Zappa. And if you've ever listened to the lyrics of a Frank Zappa song, they aren't always something nice. you want kids no, to be listening no. to. I shouldn't admit this on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Docs will be calling going, nope. But that's how he did it. So creative. He's, he's very particular about his music taste. Yeah. And he doesn't. So when the kids are in the car with me, we're playing Greatest Showman, yeah. oh, that's uh, Justin Timberlake, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, right. And when they're in the car with him, but he's done it enough that the kids... Love Frank Zappa. So that's the family song. That's so this. I yeah. know. And sometimes they get in the car with me and say, Mom, have you got what the Yellow it? Snow song? I'm yeah. like, No, we do not have the Yellow Come on, Snow Mom, song. Come on, Mum, be part of the family. Get into <laughs> the greatest, it. The greatest showman is Emily's love. And actually, that is Emily's <gasps> godfather, Hugh Jackson. Oh, wow. Stop it. Yes. So I'm so jealous right to, now. Because we play it all the time. And so she kept going to school. And she's only five, going, my godfather's the greatest showman. Wow, that's cute. That's very cute. A great movie, great songs, and yeah, yeah Hugh, Hugh so was brilliant. Fun. It's so fun. So amazing. And you can yeah. really get into it on the school drop off. Oh, of course yeah. you can. Yeah, they're yeah. great. Yeah, it gets the fire in your belly. Yeah, there's one particular song that's a uh, line that says, I am burnt, I am bruised. Yes. And Emily's like, what does that mean? It was so great to have that discussion. Yeah, about, see, you know, on the other hand, I'm in the car thinking, that's me. <laughs> That's all of us, school, darling. School, that makes you feel drop. better. <laughs> I'm so internally bruised at times. It's ridiculous. <laughs> really identifying with whoever that's whoever sang uh, that. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, we managed to get through that, even though neither of you had a song. So we did well, didn't we? Yeah, you did very yeah, well. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. All right. Well, the one thing they don't tell you about having kids is how much you can miss different parts of them as they get older. Next on the parent panel, we're talking about watching our children grow up. 
My son doesn't want to be with me anymore. Wonder if I'll even recognize him when I pick him up. Good God, she has grown up fast. She looks so grown up, but she is still a kid. It goes without saying that part of growing up is leaving different bits of childhood behind. And of course, before we had kids and we did it, we weren't aware of it. Um, But for parents, this can be, you know, remembering how they used to fit under our chin when they were babies or their pudgy cheeks when they were toddlers. Uh, My favorite thing at the moment is the way my children dance as if nobody is watching and they are just amazing. And it sort of strikes me that it's it's an endless series of letting goes, you know, Um, and as you embrace the next wonderful stage of their life, there's still a little bit of grief that you've lost another part of them. Zoe, what do you miss most about when Emily was very small? So um, I thought about this a lot because I, I really identify with the word grief, having you know, only have one child and doing, you know, 10 cycles of IVF and really going through that process. Um, Two things I kind of was a little bit aware of is that I became less grief stricken knowing that this was the only one and just to absorb. So I I actually made myself a lot more aware as a parent, whereas I probably would have kind of surfaced things a lot more. Um, I think the smells for me, I've got to say, is the things that I, I've got a high olfactory sense. And so yeah, I just like I smelt her this morning. Like it was really like because of this, and I was like, "There's a, it's definitely a different smell now." It's yeah, definitely, it's definitely a different yeah. smell. I, I loved that milky, you know, sort of like when they were so little that they, there was kind of like their sweat had a, a sugary sweet, sweet and it was it was just oh, it was intoxicating. Like I just could sit there for hours just yeah. smelling it as well, but. um and we, Emily and I do play, I'm sure all parents say, mummy and baby. So who's the mummy and who's the baby? And so, you know, I'm always like, can I please be the mummy? Because I really like being the mummy. <laughs> Unless I'm really tired, I'm like, I'll take the baby role. Yeah. I'll just sleep. <laughs> I'll just sleep. Yeah. Anyway, so she always does this thing. She's like, let's start from the beginning, mummy. And she gets under my T-shirt and she's like, okay, you're going to the doctors. And she wants everything. Wow. She wa- And she asks me, so when I was at this age, what did I do when I was at this age? And I've got to say, it's this beautiful walk down memory lane. Wow. I mean, mm. I'm I'm devastated about her getting older, and she's just lost a tooth. Mm. And Michael, my husband, he's like, I can't even look. He's he's heartbroken because he's so in love wow. with his little girl. He's the best father, and it's just divine to watch them together. Uh, but he he just it's like there's like he could see a 16 year old in front of him. That's what he's seeing. Mm. It's quite different to what I'm seeing. Mm. He's seeing a 16 year old. Yeah. Well, how about you, Greg? Because you've still got uh, a child in primary school, yes. but you've also got one that's out much, in the adult much older. world. Yeah, yeah. Look, it, it is interesting as you do go through those stages of the different letting goes. You know, you let go of different things, and one thing that I really love is just the, their soft skin. You know, when you kiss them goodnight, their soft cheeks, their pudgy little cheeks. And Cameron's sort of still got that about him. You know, Lara's um, nine going on 10. She's really slimmed down in the face now. And the, the older kids obviously are much older, but that real baby sort of look about them when you kiss them goodnight on the cheeks and they're so soft and mm-hmm. just that that warmth, you know, they don't have that smell at the age of no. eight that they had when they were two or, no. or 18 months, but it kind of, invokes that feeling again so but there's lots and lots of things i mean just the funny things they do as kids the funny things they say as they're trying yeah. to interpret the world <laughs> and you know cameron has come out with so many things and because he's our most recent youngest i guess they're probably more 
um, more firm in my memory. But I remember one day he was talking about, he, he bumped his elbow and he said, oh, I think I hit my funny brain. <laughs> I said, you're funny, Brian. That's so cute. Yeah, so those little things. And, but that you know, makes sense. It yeah, actually yeah. makes sense. Yeah, like, it does. You know, he was, I mean, that, that was probably three years ago. So he's probably five. Yeah. So it wasn't like he was a baby baby. But at the age of five, he's still trying to work out, I've heard about this thing called a funny bone. And I've got a brain that interprets how I feel about things. Well, I think I've hit my funny brain. <laughs> so yeah, it was good. I feel like you have to write them down. Oh, well, because you take you it for do, granted, Because don't you? I've forgotten a lot of them. Vanessa's mm. written them down, and oh, at the she time, has. yeah, she, you know, the beauty of iPhones now, where she's do we, where put do them we in fit notes. That in? <laughs> well, well I just, like. I'm going to put one down for posterity here, and that was that my son, who's five, um, we were talking about something. I was changing the pillow slips on the beds, and we had some heart pillow slips that neither my son or my daughter wanted on their pillow. So I said, okay, I'll put it on daddy's. And my son looks at me and he goes, oh, he'll kill you. And I went, it's all right. I'm just going to do it anyway. And then he looked me in the eye and he went, with a chainsaw. <laughs> right. Okay. That's good. That's one. That's one okay. Arlo Guerra I'm going to bring up at your 21st. Wow. It was, it was, I'm like, excellent. So other two people have elbows that are funny brains. Yeah. My child is a serial If it killer. makes you feel better, Emily has some very dark moments. Like she, yesterday she was saying, I was like, oh, you know, we were talking about sort of bad things. She's just like, yeah, let's pretend they're all dead, mum. And I was just like, okay, but you know, that's actually not very fun. Like, she's like, yeah, but like. We'll just pretend. Yeah. <laughs> dark, dark I was like, children. Okay, okay, okay. I'm, I'm, what do we do I'm with that? Go with this. Yeah. <laughs> I just laugh because the thing about uh, Arlo saying something like that at five, yeah. they still do have that beautiful pudgy oh, yeah, cheek, they do. Yeah. and innocence. so he manages to get away with some pretty disturbing yeah. things. Oh, but the thing is, I mean, she, I like what I was finding so amusing in that it was sort of the context of it because she thought it was actually like zombies. She thought it was actually going to be a really funny thing and that we would find it really amusing. I was like, that's just so like innocent yeah. and dark. Like uh, it's yeah. just, yeah, I found they it get really away very it. surreal coming surreal, from out of an innocent child. It's pure little thing. Yeah. I do want to ask you though, Greg, um, I, Mia Freeman wrote a book um, called Life, Work Strife Balance. And in it, there was a chapter about, she said it was the hardest part of parenting. And that was when her eldest son left high school. And I read that chapter and was in tears. Oh. I just couldn't cope. Was your eldest leaving when the, when the eld your first child left high school? Was that a difficult moment? Oh, look, no. I mean, it's, I guess my situation is a bit different because my, my eldest children were from my first marriage. So we'd sort of already separated and, uh, you know, started separate lives at that point in time. So I wasn't as involved as perhaps I would have liked to have been. But look, I'm I'm kind of a, a realist and a, a very practical dad in the sense that I, I know what happens. They grow up, yeah. you've got to let them go, <laughs> yes. you accept these things. And I, I kind of take the view that you've got to celebrate a lot of these yeah. events rather than sort of... Do you of, tell that to your wife? <laughs> yeah, look, it, it's a very different point of view. Party? <laughs> it's a very different point of view, I know. But look, it, coming also from a teaching background and understanding, understanding child psychology... 
you just know, look, there's certain things that you've got to do as much as you, it might pain you inside personally. You've got to kind of show that you're happy. And yeah, you that's don't, a good point. Yeah, I'm pretty a, sure Mia would have cried in the corner. But <laughs> I know, but it's still personally, yeah. Yeah. you've got to find a way of being okay with these things. So yes, what's quite yes. funny about that is because Michael will openly say to Emily, I can't believe your tooth is gone. I'm mortified. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> don't make a big deal. I'm like, it's, she's just, she's going to try and glue her teeth back in. <laughs> Seriously, like, just calm down. A little bit I think we need another podcast just with Greg about dealing. No, but <laughs> yes. dealing with it because I do think yeah. it's something it's possibly women point. struggle with more than men. But not to say that men don't as well. We but do it differently, like a yeah. lot of things with women. Yeah. You know, yeah, there's exactly. lots of things we differ on. But that point about find, as a parent finding some finding the inner resilience to accept those changes and be okay mm. as they move forward because we we all know that they need yeah. to do it. Yeah. But I don't know that as uh, parents, I know I certainly have never had any guidance no, on how no. to be okay with no. it. I, I think if you look at, I mean, we were chatting before about perimenopause. I mean, there's a bit of a topic as a 41-year-old woman, I'm going into perimenopause. And I actually thought about it and I was like, it's a really good point because why aren't I celebrating this? Because for me, I, I was saying to Siobhan, I, um, I went to do IVF again and Thankfully, I had a really proactive doctor and she just said, look, the reality is you've got about a 1% chance. Now, for me, it was just like this sense of relief washed over me because I'd had the final chapter closed. Right. And so I was able, so I kind of looked at perimenopause as a bit of a celebration, but yeah. maybe it's because this whole celebration of what's wrong kind of stems from such a young you know, part of us mm. as a woman as well. We don't yeah, celebrate. Our, we don't celebrate getting old. Mm. We don't celebrate a period. We don't celebrate. Mer- we don't celebrate the hard things. But we could if we changed that mindset, and our children would probably take on and relish those moments maybe a little bit more and differently. Okay, we've yeah. got some work to do, Zoe. Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm getting but, hot in here already. <laughs> I was going to say, first stop, peri- perimenopause party for you. Yeah, woo! I, yeah. I expect an invitation <laughs> along with Hugh Jackman. Yeah, okay. yes, I'm sure. It could be the special guest <laughs> <Yeah>. appearance. <laughs> Singing the greatest showman. Yes. Okay. Our final topic in just a moment. Father's Day is on the very near horizon. So what have you got planned or what are you hoping others have planned for you? Raising children can be a challenging and rewarding experience. Feed Play Love, hosted by me, Siobhan Hunt, is a bite-sized parenting podcast that's here to walk, skip and jump beside you as your children grow. I speak to experts and real parents about everything from finding your mama instinct to starting solids. So join me and we can all thrive and learn together. Feed Play Love, available wherever you get your podcasts. Happy Father's Day! Look what they drew for you. I love you, Dad. You're the best dad ever. Okay, so public service announcement. It is Father's Day on Sunday. (laughs) Uh, I am normally so organized. And when I say this, I mean, I was a parent who would have all the Christmas presents bought in July. Oh, wow. Not anymore because they change their minds so often. Um, And Santa needs time. Mm. He needs time, but not that much time. Um, But I somehow managed to forget it was Father's Day, which horrified me. Um, Writer Darren Levin, who is a dad, had thought about Father's Day, obviously, it's a day for him. And um, for him, it involves a fancy breakfast in bed and going to a screening of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because there'd be oh. no children around. I think it's rated yeah, R. Quite, quite violent. Um, <laughs> so I need some inspiration. I admit I, I have 
fast-tracked. I've got a yeah. few things planned for my husband. But, um, Greg, what is your ideal Father's Day? My ideal Father's Day is really just to spend time with the family, which very luckily I get to do pretty much every Sunday anyway. Nice. So it's pretty much going to be a normal Sunday. The only difference is that Vanessa's birthday is actually the 2nd of September. Uh -huh. So we generally combine Father's Day and her birthday together. So... We'll probably go out somewhere with the kids, which we don't always do because the kids like being at home after being at school all week. They like to just chill out at home, which is kind of nice. Um, yeah, so where we'll go, we're not sure yet. Do you get we'll... breakfast in bed at least? No, because I'm up before everybody else in the house anyway, <laughs> and that's, a, that's fine. I have no issue with that. I'm not one of those. Look, I, no, I, I don't. I don't like having a fuss made about it. It's just, Aww. if they give me a hug and say happy Father's Day, then that's all I need. You know, that's it's just nice. lovely. So yeah, it's really nice. Do so, they have those um, Father's Day stalls at school yes. though, yes. where you oh, get like yeah. really yeah. kooky? Are they still kooky? Because I remember when I was a kid and they'd have those stalls, you'd come home with these really weird mugs, <laughs> just random stuff. Yeah. Key rings, yeah, key rings. Uh, beer stubbies, um, and I don't drink beer, so that's, yeah. Um, <laughs> they might not be doing that anymore. <laughs> no, hopefully not. But that, you do get those kinds of things. And yeah. so, look, it doesn't matter. It's just wonderful that they think yeah. of you and they have that opportunity yeah. to, to do that. So, it's mm. look, Father's Day, I think, is, is a great day for families in general and just to celebrate the role of, of dad in the family uh, as Mother's Day is for mums to celebrate the parents mm. in the family that mm. really hold the family together in a lot of ways. He's so lovely. Oh, Mother's time. Day for me is like, no, I want breakfast in bed. I want a massage. I want that present. <laughs> well, good. I want that present. You, you probably deserve Leave it. Leave me alone. <laughs> you deserve it. So. Joking. I, I do love my children. <laughs> of course you do. It's, it's totally normal to want space. <laughs> I'm, I do. I'm going to take, um, there's always a parent you take inspiration from, yes. you know, so I'm going to use you as the my inspiration. Why? What inspiration it. for what though? Because you're so lovely. <laughs> Just give me a hug. Get out of here. Get me breakfast. I'm not cooking dinner. Yeah, but this is coming from a dad who probably doesn't do as much around the house as mum does. <laughs> okay. Right? So, so that hug yeah. is like um, value played, is it? Well, look, I don't know. It, it's probably more that sense of, you know, I acknowledge the role that Vanessa plays in the house. She's there a lot more than I am. She's a lot more involved in the kids' school lives than I am. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean I'm not, but she's more involved. Mm. And so I don't doubt that she gets worn down as a lot of mums do. You're not changing my view no. that you're an in inspirational parent. Uh, well, <laughs> it's, like, okay. it's like, no, I can't say anything. We, <laughs> oh. we love you, Greg. Shush. Good. Okay, well, Zoe. <laughs> Zoe, have you got anything planned? Um, so I'm actually working, which I feel quite bad about because I do radio on Sunday morning for 2GB. And so I will get up my normal time and go to that, but then I'll come back and we'll have a really lovely day. But the store, I, it, like at school, they've got the stall and I had to laugh today. And I was like, what do you think daddy would like best? A mini desk that he could put his pencil, pencils and phone in or a back scratcher. And I was like, I said, well, I definitely like the back scratcher. I said, but I'm going to go with the mini desk. <laughs> but it is those kind of um, those things. I reckon you know you're a parent when you look around your oh, home gorgeous. and you just have really yeah. random stuff in yeah. random places, whether it's toys or a mini desk. Yeah, mini desk. Yep. I don't, I don't even know what a mini desk. I'm assuming it is a miniature desk, but I'm I'm yet to see. I want to see yeah. a photo on Instagram. Um, oh, that's a good idea. I will actually do that. <laughs> I can't wait to see what yeah. I get from the kids. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think very sadly there wasn't even a Father's Day stall at our school. So oh. there wasn't at my school either. In oh, fact, right. my parents 
we never celebrated Mother's Day or Father's Day because it was, I mean, my family's English, so English people think that everything from America is commercialised. So we didn't, you know, we didn't do it. And, Mm. And it was quite interesting because when my parents broke up, my mum decided that she wanted to celebrate Mother's Day. <laughs> so, and my brother and I were like, I mean, we were older. We were 25 and 28. And I was like, you know, darling, you, you can't kind of change tune <laughs> But no, but we are celebrating Mother's Day. No, I'm happy to celebrate Mother's Day for her. Yeah, like, normally is something I love doing, which is a, a lunch out. So it's fabulous. Great. But exactly. I, I think it's wonderful. I really do. I, commercialized or not, I think it's really special just to have a day. Because I think for a lot of people, it might be the element that actually brings a family together. Mm. And so if you if you need something like that to do it, nothing's better than having your family around you. Yeah, we're going to Yum Cha. Oh, I love Yum Cha. Yeah. Yeah. The kids won't eat it, but oh. I will. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> I'll be eating so, this. As long as somebody yeah, does. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, that was our last topic, um, but I do like to use this as an opportunity to talk about what you're both doing. Greg, you have an exciting new project. Can you tell us a bit about Team Rescue? Yeah, Team Rescue is... a program for preschool children with four superhero emergency services characters, so a firefighter, police officer, lifeguard and paramedic, teaching children how to stay safe in simple ways through songs. So I've written all the songs, you know, about point your scissors down to the ground when you're crossing the road, hold an adult's hand, all very simple stuff, but things that children will be able to recall very quickly and easily to keep them safe because there's so many preventable deaths and preventable injuries that occur in Australia every single year. So it was actually created by a firefighter who's been working for 30 years in the fire service and um, he just wanted to keep children safe because he sees so many tragedies every day in his work and hopefully we can get this out there and Children will learn how to be safe. Oh, and where can where will people be able to watch it eventually? So it's on ABC TV at the moment. There's songs on there and ABC iView. And hopefully over December and January, we'll be out in shopping centres doing performances. So oh, people fabulous. will be able to see us everywhere, which will be great. When I say us, I mean, it's not me in the show. I've just helped create it. So we've got young people, young, attractive looking people <laughs> in the show, not old folks like me on their walking sticks. <laughs> Um, no. not quite. <laughs> I'll definitely take Emily to that. Yeah, she'd, I, love, she'd that. love it. Yeah, yeah she'd yeah. love it. And Zoe, you, I, I did make fun of you being passionate about food at the start, <laughs> but that, that's what your book's about, right? Yeah. Um, so my book is called Falling in Love with Food, which has been out for a couple of years, um, which is just a bit of a love story and some beautiful recipes of foods that have been part of my you know, my journey of life over the course of you know the last 41 years. Um, but I'm also really excited because I'm doing a new online program. Oh. So we... Um, I guess what what I learned with I've got two other online programs which is falling in love with food which we've just closed. What I learned through the course of that was it was we do we were doing uh, four week programs, but still people were not able to sort of achieve that level of health that they wanted to. So what I've done is I've collaborated with a company that does really gorgeous, not too expensive um, frozen meals. Oh, so a yes. company called Dietlicious. So we oh, do wow. a four-week program now with seven meals, seven snacks delivered. And obviously I've designed all of those meals. We've got meditations we do mm. each week. We have Pilates. We have strength-based training and daily DDMs and just really great practical information that I you lo- can oh, digest. I, you lost, I wasn't listening after yeah. you said frozen <laughs> meals designed by me. No, I'm no. like... <laughs> Right, I'm there. Yeah, so that's going to come out uh, in early October. So I'm really oh, excited. I'm just great. excited. And I think the older I get, the more I just love the people I work with. I think, you know, I think that's probably 
the, the thing that makes you feel more satisfied. Money's great. Don't get me wrong. Mm. I'm not saying no to money, but I think uh, being around inspiring. You got to work with the right people, don't yeah. you? You got to enjoy what Absolutely. you do. If it's hard work, yeah. nobody wants hard work. No. We want to enjoy our work. No, exactly. Yeah. Well so I've really, I've, I'm really excited about that. Well, I'm excited that you both came on the show. That oh, was a lovely segue so I could say I love working with fun people oh, too. as do I. To you. <laughs> Absolutely. Love in in the studio. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thank you both so much for coming on the show. And um, just before I let you leave, do you have an online presence where people can find you? Yeah. So I've got my Instagram, which is Zoe Bingley Pullen, um, or alternatively, it's zoebingleypullen.com.au or, or falling in love with food. But it's all there. All there. All there. Greg, where can people find you online? Uh, You're they, too old. Can't. School, aren't yeah, you? yeah. Really. I like that though as yeah. well. I'm, I'm really not Incognito. into that stuff. I yeah. Like no, but we respect that. Oh, good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you can find me at Siobhan Hunt. See you next time. You've been listening to The Parent Panel, a babyology podcast, hosted and written by Siobhan Hunt, produced and edited by Debbie Ning. For more information on the show or to check out other episodes with equally funny and insightful guests, you can find all you need at our website babyology.com.au slash parent panel.